Hey everyone, the band that wrote and performed our theme music, Remember Jones, has a new EP, Tranquilizer, that's now on pre-order on iTunes and CD Baby. I've watched them perform the album live, and it's really unique and so much fun. I've already pre-ordered, and if you like our theme song at all, you will love this EP. The album comes out on July 21st, which is one day before my birthday. Again, that's Tranquilizer by Remember Jones. Find it on iTunes and CD Baby. Anyway, enjoy the show. And curious, being mysterious, not too fast or furious. Are you experienced? Are you serious? Loud and curious, loud and curious, loud and curious. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Loud and Curious with Krista Rosa. I am here with Belinda Bernardo, who is a first AD. Say hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Um, you are one of my mentors, I would say. I would Aww, say that I come, I look up so to you. Sweet. I look up to you. I um, admire your passion and your, um, I mean, your everything, your knowledge <laughs> and, your, and your drive. And so I wanted to come here today and ask you about um, first, your life, how you got into television. Uh-huh. You're a first assistant director, which will explain what that is for All everyone right. that doesn't know. Um, and then also kind of just you give a lot of really, really, really good advice. And you've given me a lot of really good advice, advice over the years. And I would love to try to fi- think of ways that we can translate the advice that you've given me about television. Okay. Translate that into um, finding ways to turn that into everyday everyday life awesome or just other people's jobs that don't involve cameras and talent and (laughs) production coordinators and all that yeah um but yeah so you uh, what is a first assistant director for everyone that doesn't know all right i always tell people they're like what's a first ad or first assistant director and everyone's always so super confused all these technical terms from film and tv um essentially a first assistant director i'm gonna give an analogy if have you ever seen pulp fiction yes so, do you know Harvey Keitel's character, the wolf? Yes. Essentially, that's pretty much who I am. I get, yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I tell people all the time, I'm like, I kind of come in, everything's kind of a crazy mess, and then I come in, hopefully wearing a nice suit, just like he does in that movie, and, <laughs> and then I clean up and organize and bring kind of um, sanity back into chaos. And with that being said, like the actual process of my job is just organization and bringing um workflow and communication and streamlining that and making it so it's manageable to organize several departments to to have one agenda so essentially it's uniting a whole group of mess of people who have separate desires and needs and then having them understand that everybody is working towards one goal and how to get to that goal in a nice, orderly, and, and effective fashion. So, And that one goal is to shoot everything and be on schedule or early or wrap early. <laughs> exactly. So everyone has these big dreams. And in TV, when you have these big dreams, um, they require budgets. They require schedules. And someone has to manage that and actually make it something of a reality. So oftentimes, especially with movies or TV, everyone has these amazing creative ideas. But there's going to be foot soldiers in the, in those ideas to kind of put them together. And I'm one of those people that helps put them together yeah. and make it manageable and then bring re, like bring their dreams into reality. And you're one of the people that would be sh- 
telling them how conceivable these things are for Absolutely. them to do. If they, if, if, or how can we do a version of this that would only cost us this much money or this much time? And another way that you kind of have described it is that you, um, turn the you are the person that like turns the faucet on of money yeah. the money flow I remember that you you yeah. telling me that you're the person that says okay we're in everyone's earning money right now and then okay we're out we're going to lunch everyone's off you're not working right now okay we're back in we're turning the yeah. faucet back on yeah production especially TV is like one of those big big budget I mean like whether it's a small budget or a big budget like it requires money to fund these ideas and to get these ideas off the ground and the minute that you put something together somebody has to manage it so that way it doesn't go out of control and and that you manage it within a system that fits the budget and the criteria and gets things done because all great ideas aside if no one's there to help you get it you know is it ever going to show the light of day no and so yeah exactly so you need the people who are actually going to help you put it together and I'm one of those people Um, so what I want to, okay, let's switch gears and okay. I just want to talk about your life and okay. like kind of how, how you got to where you are. It's what I usually do with all my guests. So, so you are from LA originally, yes. correct? I'm from Los Angeles. I'm a born and bred Angelina. Yeah. Um, I'm currently working in New York a lot. I travel a lot for my shows, but, um, yeah, I was born and bred in LA. So Los Angeles being like the Mecca of like entertainment industry. It was like one of those things where you kind of were just born into it. So I actually didn't want to do film or TV or any of this stuff before. I was I actually was training to go into music. Beforehand. What did you? So you went to high school, like you went like all school in LA. Yeah. So I went to I went to school at this place called uh, Whitney High School, which is funny because they actually wrote a book about it called The School of Dreams, which is really weird. Side note: <laughs> You'll probably end up looking up this book. It's called The School of Dreams, and it's about. Um, this school of like uh, it's uh, your class was like 150 in your graduating class. And they, the reason why they were famous is because 95 percent of your graduating class went on to a four year university. And most of the people that were in that school, like they would graduate into Harvard, Stanford, Yale, and they would be future doctors, lawyers yeah. and whatnot. Oh, shit. And yeah. So I went to that school. Um, you know, I didn't think I was that smart. Um, <laughs> and I got, and I why, got in. Why is that? Just because it's a really good school? Like they just, it- yeah. So it was one of the reason why it was so important in the school was written about was because it was a public high school. So it was a public school, um, yeah. grades seven through 12 and it was free. And the only thing that you needed to do was take a test to get in. It was a magnet school. So essentially it was for the school of the gifted, but you needed to take a test to get in. And it was almost like a college prep school, but it was offered as a pre public ed- education. So it was almost like a private school that was, that had this elite level of education that you can get into. Was it an IQ test or was it just a test? It was a test. Um, You had to take a test to get in um, and it would just be whatever your scores and rankings are and then depending on where you lived, if they had enough room. So it was kind of, it was a hard school to get into and my brother and I both ended up getting in. So it was kind of cool. I mean, that was like, one of those things where like, oh, we're smart Asian just like, kids. Not a big deal. Like, not a big deal. <laughs> no big deal. I just, <laughs> just got like, in. Just like in like a real, the school of dreams. Like not a big deal. <laughs> so, so you go there. So yeah, you're there. And then what? And then do you go to Hartford, Harvard, Yale, Stanford, or one of the colleges of the schools of dreams? Well, the funny thing is, is that when you go there, you're training to be another doctor, another lawyer. Um, you know, it was. And the funny thing is the demographic was mostly Asian. So it was like, I want to say 85% Asian or 80% Asian. Um, so different kinds of Asian, where it was Koreans, Chinese, uh, Japanese. Um, I'm Filipino, so I, we were like in the lower level. Asian. Yeah, you were like not, yeah. Not real Asian. Yeah. 
<laughs> Fasions, as I like to call it. Um, so, yeah, it was like one of those things. And then like everybody, you know, it was the kind of school where everyone wanted to go to Stanford, Stanford, Harvard or Yale or some sort of prestigious Ivy League. And then your backup school was always USC, UCLA. Yeah, yeah. Like kind of those like the shows and the, the the schools in the area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but I went to that high school, and the funny thing is, is like you know, I thought I was pretty smart, but apparently around those kids, I was like average. Yeah, um, I got like a B plus average, and that was considered like nice try. Yeah, like good job, like maybe yeah. good job, like yeah. yeah. Mostly it was a school of overachievers. Yeah, so they had like A plus 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 pluses. Oh my god, my yeah. brother graduated valedictorian. Oh, amazing. Yeah. So and like we had out of a hundred and fifty, I think we had twenty five valedictorians when we graduated. So and I had like high honors, but that meant I just had a B plus average. Yeah. So like, <laughs> and they were like, oh, three point eight GPA. They're like, that's a nice. They're try. like, uh. Yeah. Yeah. So it was one of those. So things. that was, so it was like, okay, so you already had like big comp, you were very competitive. Like you were born into a very competitive environment. Like, oh yeah. Absolutely. Already. Well, being first generation kind of does that to you. Um, my parents were immigrants from the Philippines. And so I was the first one that was born in the States. Yeah. And they kind of put onto you uh, a little bit of that guilt trip of like, we came from another country and like we sacrificed a better life just so you can have a better one here in the States. And, and so it kind of drives you to not be a lazy ass when like your parents are kind of yeah here, you know, like, and if you were to think about like what they had to go through to kind of be here, it was kind of amazing. I mean, like these are people who came from another country and decided I'm going to live here now. <laughs> I don't speak the language and we're going to do a life and here. just figure it out and then just figure it out, which kind of makes my makes me feel my parents were more gangster than I am. Yeah. Same. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, who does that now? Like, it's like the equivalent of one of us going, saying, like, I'm just going to go to Italy without knowing what the language is and hopefully make a life of Yeah, but myself. even then, like, we're American, so it's, like, so much yeah. easier. Like, they're like, oh, yeah, you stupid American. Like, here, we can speak English because, and we can understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, like, not, like, yeah. like, we, they can definitely understand what we're saying even. Like, I didn't speak, a, I don't know any Italian, and I was in Italy and was, like, fine. Like, <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> they're like, I speak five languages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you so where so do you go to college or do you not go to college? I did. Uh, the funny thing about that was that when I was choosing what college to go to, because of the competitive nature of the school, I actually um, went the other way. I started, I started getting demotivated because of the competition around me because everybody was like hyper competitive towards these really high level elite kind of places, and I, I wanted to go to entertainment. So essentially, my first passion was music, and I wanted to write music, and I thought I was going to go to Juilliard. Then I didn't, and then I realized I was like, I wanted to be the next John Williams, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna write music. Oh my god, amazing! <laughs> I did not know about you. I know that's great. <laughs> so I was like, Hans Zimmer or John Williams, yeah. write music for movies. I wanted to do that, and I was classically trained. I knew like eight different instruments. I did the classic Asian thing, knowing how to play yeah, violin. Like violin. <laughs> yes, of course. Exactly. Wait, I didn't know this about you. Oh my god, that's so great. Do you still like play it at all? Uh, no, I don't play it anymore. I, I would you lost... remember if you like? Do you think you would remember or no? I definitely would remember how to play the flute, the saxophone, maybe a little bit of piano. Not so much on the violin because I played so many instruments it watered down my knowledge of each one. Yeah, I guess that, you're like, right. You kind of overachieve, you know, like well, you like there's so much, so it's like, and they're so di they're similar, yeah. but it's very different at the same time. Exactly. Right? I mean, and I, I think I don't play any, so I don't fuck know what I'm talking about. <laughs> 
Well, I loved music and I yeah. wrote and <clears throat> but like I found out I was like when I was thinking about the movies, I enjoyed the movies more than I liked the music. And yeah. then so I started realizing my shift started changing into entertainment. Yeah. And so that's where my shift came in high school. And I told my school that I said, hey, I want to go into entertainment. That was the first time anyone in that school ever said they wanted to do that because everybody was like, uh, we have programs for med school. We have yeah, programs like, for law school. Yeah. They're like entertainment. And everyone was confused. And they didn't know how to like um, deal with it. They, yeah, they just didn't know how to guide me. And so um, I even had a high school teacher tell me oh, this is so fucked up. He told me, I said, I want to go into entertainment. And he was a spec writer. He wrote a script for Married with Children. And he was so defeated by the whole process. And he looked at me and he goes, and well, he was like, your soul is going to get ripped from your body viciously. Well, he right? like, like he was probably like shit all over. I hate when people he, can do that. He totally shit on me. He said, you're a minority. You're a woman. And you have no connections to the business. He goes, what makes you think you'll ever succeed in this? And I, I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong. Like, but but like you, also like way to like way to be way an to asshole. Build the spirit of like young <laughs> yeah. America. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're young. We're impressionable. We we're, have hopes and dreams. And at that age, you're like you think anything's possible. And here's somebody who's like shitting all over it. Yeah. So which is kind of a bummer. You know what I mean? And you, you expect the other way around. Right. Like I always expected to have like Morgan Freeman from Lean on Me. Right. Like, yeah. No, like, yes. Like, like you can do anything. You can do anything you want. It cheerlead, just cheerlead the shit out of you for like ever. Yeah, exactly. But this guy was just like, no, an asshole. Exactly. Fucking You're asshole. not going to do it. Yeah. What makes you think so? And then that kind of just started driving everything else. So I started full on being like, fuck you yeah and like and which like if i know you at all that you were like fuck you dude i'm gonna do this shit i'm gonna knock the shit out of the park just to like spite you exactly yeah that's exactly what happened yeah which is almost like a blessing in disguise because maybe like that was enough to kind of propel me into where i am now um in terms of entertainment but it did it did give me like that fire yeah you know sometimes you can use anger as a motivation oh, to in a get great way done. yeah yes, so i started honing that and being like fuck you i'm gonna yeah. prove you wrong yeah and hopefully I did. I don't know. We'll see. So you go. So then what What do you do? Um, I started applying to schools. Um, I got a lot of disheartened. I was very disheartened for a really long time. When I was applying for colleges, I wanted to get to UCLA or USC, which was the two major film programs. Yeah, USC is like the most like intense. Yeah. USC being like the epitome of, of film. film, yeah. Right. And so I wanted to go there. Um, and NYU. So I tried to apply. But considering I was from California, I wanted to focus more on L.A. schools because I knew the entertainment hub was in L.A., at least at the time. And um, I applied and I didn't get in. I was like my grades weren't good enough. And and it was just was like and I didn't have the money. My parents couldn't afford it. Yeah. Um, My parents. Yeah, Those are some expensive ass schools. Oh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> and coming from welfare and food stamps, like yeah. my parents like were literally like on welfare and food stamps as I was growing up. Like I had to pay for college on my own. There was just no way I was going to even afford it. Yeah. And it was like a bummer. So I ended up defaulting in some weird way. I got accepted into like and this is like it's funny, but like I got accepted into like four schools. And I just remember being so demotivated, not getting into UCLA or USC or NYU that I literally looked at these packets and I just was like, I don't care. I'll just pick that one. And I pointed to one where it had a beach in the front. And I was like, might as well go to a school where there's a beach. (laughs) Yeah. So, and that school ended up being Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just picked it because I didn't even read anything. I literally picked it based off of what was on the cover of the fucking acceptance packet. Yeah. And then you go. Yeah. Like you go get your degree. I go, I get my degree. Luckily they have a film studies program there. Um, I learned a lot about education. Education was like 
people ask me all the time they're like well did you find it useful and um, part of me says no like a good part of me and a lot of uh, you know and the other part of me says well had I not done that maybe I wouldn't be in the path that I am now um it's kind of one of two ways like so when I went to school I was paying for everything myself so I had to fast track everything yeah um so I fully loaded my classes so I was early on like I wasn't scared of hard work so I would fully load my classes to where I was going to school eight to ten hours a day yeah and so I graduated in two years rather than four yeah because you were like give me the fuck out of here I can't pay for this shit yeah exactly <laughs> like I'm paying yeah. for this shit on yeah, my yeah, own yeah, like yeah. I, I was already thinking but that's of, like, a good I mean that's a good motivator yeah so I mean when your back is uh, up against the wall you're just kind of like yeah. fuck how am I gonna do this you just end up doing it you bite you, you kind of just have to bite down and just keep going yeah and so that's what I did I fully loaded my classes um, I got in and I got out as quickly as possible yeah and and got my degree I got my degree in film studies not film production which is kind of a bummer because they didn't have a film production yeah, but program. like I like it you're fine yeah like I have a, I have a you degree have a film in film stuff. production no in film production oh, you have fil- and it's like I mean we we did a lot of stuff like we did learn a lot of editing and stuff but like even the even the editing software that we learned like oh, yeah. they no longer use yeah like do you know what i mean and like that's true it's like you know what i mean it's still like my education was still like how many years ago now that it's like things have updated so it's yeah. like it's not like not every skill that you i learned there like did i will i carry with me for the rest of my life because like now it's outdated exactly so it's like i mean like dude did i want to write fucking papers about films for like four years absolutely not so like sorry about that but like <laughs> also you know what i mean like but also yeah. like don't like you missed out on some stuff, but like some of it like is now that I learned is now obsolete. So yeah. Anyway, I mean, I was a super nerd too. Like, so it yeah. wasn't like I was going out every night getting wasted. I mean, I didn't even drink until I was 21. I mean, I'm such a nerd. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, so I was like super focused. I've always been super driven about things. And so I was like, get in, get out. And I wanted to be like, I want to start work as quick. Yeah. As like possible. get that money. Yeah. Yeah. And see how fast I can move up because I knew that this was a business that was based off of networking and experience. And so I was like, the faster I got out there, the faster I knew I would. You could like keep, start. yeah, yeah. So then you graduate and. Uh, so I graduate and then you okay when you graduate like, no one tells you anything right. No one tells you how to get a job. No one tells you, what it takes to get a job. So yeah, no. here I am. I'm like in the nether region of, moving back at home like everyone does right when you're you just you're fresh out of college because I don't have any money. I don't have any money to move into a new place or anything. And so I move back in with my mom and my dad and and I'm like, fuck, what do I do? What do I like? How do I get started? And like there's you can take two years of school and they still can't tell you how to yeah. break in. And so I was still stuck in that nether region of like, what the fuck do I do to start? And so finally, um, I started going on Craigslist, which is a weird thing to say, but like I started going on Craigslist right when Craigslist was new. What? Yeah, what time? What year? You don't have to like give away your age if you don't oh, want no, no, to, no. but what year? Like what approximate time is this? So I graduated high school in 2000, and then I graduated college in around 2003. So okay. 2002, 2003. So because it took me about two years, um, to, like yeah, like a little over two years to graduate, and so it's 2003. I moved back in with my parents. And I'm literally like, what the fuck? Like, how do I make money? Like, now I'm like, I'm ready, right? Yeah, like, you have it all. I fucking have my education. I have my bachelor's degree. I'm ready to work. What do I do? And no one tells you anything, right? No. Mentors, teachers, you don't, like, they don't know. Professors don't know. And so I was like, well, what the fuck? You know? And So So you go on Craigslist. So I go on Craigslist, and I see, like, free help, right? So all these movies are like, we need free PAs, and... There's a phrase that they tell you in the beginning. It says copy, credit, and meals. 
So they'll, they won't pay you, but they'll give you a copy of the movie, a credit on the movie, and a free meal. Yeah, so you have like a, so you'll get a, actually a credit, which goes a long way. Which goes a long way. But what I quickly learned is when you do stuff like that, you never get a copy, you rarely get a credit, and the meals are very, very terrible. Oh, really? So oh, they just, my God. Yeah. I mean, most, I mean, not the not about the meals, but about the credit and the copy. Oh yeah, no, they do. Like they totally. So it was the early two thousands, and I started working on like interning, right? Because interning Basically, is like, yeah. free labor. Uh, <laughs> like, and they're like for experience. And I started interning on these movies, and they were blockbuster movies, like movies like when Blockbuster was still around. They were it was like pre Netflix, pre everything. Blockbuster used to um, source production companies for movies that they make. So there was these cheap horror movies that they would make in the middle of the deserts of California. Yeah. And they're called under 500,000. So essentially that's super, super low budget. Yes. Um, as according to like, you know, Directors Guild of America and like SAG. And, and just like if think of movies today. I mean, not even movies today, but movies back then were still like millions and millions of oh, dollars if it was yeah. like a blockbuster movie. Of course. Yeah. And to put it into context, like anything that's made for that amount of money is like literally the cheap of the cheap. Yeah. Right? Like the You're cheapest thing, people. everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I started working on those for free and I never told anybody this, this is funny. I'm telling the story and I'm like kind of like ooh, giving my secret ooh, out. Ooh. Um, so I didn't do the traditional like work as a PA for years. I actually worked on as a PA for only, I want to say six months. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if anything. Um, but you know what I will say about that is that if you can, if you do a bunch of different jobs, like if you're working as a PA on the same job for six months versus like working as a PA on like, 15 different jobs in six months that is a completely different yeah. situation well i mean regardless like so the entry level is production assistant right yeah. so you walk into a movie and you're like the lowest level which is production assistant um and it's an entry level position it requires almost no level of yeah, experience anyone can be a pa I say that anyone all the time. can yeah can be a production assistant right anyone can be a pa um and so i kind of use that as my opportunity and i started looking around and seeing like all right, what can I do to move up faster? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and what, what, like, I didn't know all the positions right off the bat. And so it, I used my first film to kind of learn what everything was, what yes. was being done. And then when I started learning what the positions were, cause like, that was one of the things that I think we talked about earlier was like, um, ob observing. So I went in and I just was like, just look and observe and keep your head down. And I've always naturally been a hard worker my entire life and just like just driven in that way. I think hard work is its own reward, like very old school John Wayne kind yeah, of shit. Yeah, that's fine. I agree. Um, very cowboy mentality yes. and like hard work, grit, determination. Yeah, but also like it makes you proud of yourself. Yeah, yeah, and I love hard work. Like I don't know what it is. I, I feel like there's a sense of pride and, and importance when I know I've done a really good job. And I just told work. you, maybe I didn't even tell you yet, but I'm like, I took a job and I was like, this is going to be fucking insane, but like, I'm going to do it because like, yeah, I'm ready. Like I need to do this again and like be in like the middle of a shit show and like just prove to myself again that I can do all this. Yeah. yeah. And that was the Italy job for me too. Yeah. I did that by myself and I had to clean up a job recently and did, did the same thing. But yeah, when I worked on the movie, I literally just looked around and I was like, listen, looked at all the positions. I started learning what, different people did in different departments and I started almost targeting what my personality was because at first you don't know when you're in yeah. your early 20s you're kind of still at this nether region of like what do I do I don't know what I want to do I, I, you're looking around and you're kind of just like lost right a lot of people in their early 20s are super lost you know and we call it, well on this podcast we call that yo yo you're you're only young once <laughs> me and my roommate made it up and like we're making we're like trying to make it a thing you're but only like, young once which like oh i say God. as like yo -yo. do everything that you can do like do 
all the shit that you can do because guess what? Right now you don't give a shit about money. Yeah. You don't give a shit about like anything like you don't care about like you know you'll work for 12 hours a day you'll work for 14 hours a day because you're still like in awe of like being on a tv (laughs) set and like you'll work and you'll do this and you'll just like put in those hours and you know that it's going to come back tenfold which it will but like you're not like tired of it yet you know what i mean and not see i wish i was more like that when i was younger i was more like I want to make money, have a house, do all this stuff. Oh, no. How do oh. I do this? Yeah, oh, I was okay, so driven. Like, like I always wanted that plan of like, okay, what's the next step? Yeah, what's yeah. the next step? And oh, no, so same. But like, was, it's like, yeah. yeah, but I was like, I tell everyone, it was, there was, I don't know, there was a weird time and I've recently been like really <laughs> kind of, it makes, it's been making me a little bit upset recently because I'm like, wow, that time's really over. Yeah. Like, but there was a time when like everything, it did, nothing mattered. Nothing and like, mattered. it was just yeah. like, great and like i was just so happy to be working on these shows and like it was just See, for you for me it was terrifying oh no i, I was, was like, like i so... wanted purpose i wanted oh, no. direction i, I had wanted... the opposite way i was like and not that i was like la 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 whatever yeah. but i was like i'm building i'm building this foundation what you were saying earlier of like your 20s is you're building the foundation and like sowing the seeds yeah. or like planting the seeds i like knew that i was planting the seeds and it made me so excited and i yeah. was so like and i'm not like that kind of like oh, I'll just go anywhere and travel anywhere and do whatever person. I'm such a homebody. But like I was so like loved that I was just doing so much and it was so interesting. Has and I'm that like, changed now? It's, I want to, yeah, like kind of because now it's like I'm I'm more in, I can control where I'm going to go and stuff and I have, yeah. I can say no to <laughs> jobs and like yeah. that I feel like and now it's not ch- terrifying it changes, no. but it also changes things because it's, I'm, I'm more in control, so it's more like on me for if like something goes bad. Yeah, and I feel that like I'm now more concerned about money, and yeah. I want to be making more money, and I yeah. want to be. I'm doing what you're like now. What you're what you were saying when you were young, like that's how I feel now. Is that yeah. I'm like, okay, how can I be making more money? How can I be like, yeah, doing more? You know. Well, that's so, yeah. I mean, like I had that from the mindset only because I grew up in such a um, difficult circumstances in terms of what my parents did. Um, you know, I told you they were immigrants from another country. But when I was growing up, they were on food stamps and welfare. Um, you know, like w- there was a thing yeah. called Women and Children, um, WIC, where like my mom would get these booklets where like you get free milk and yeah, like, yeah. cheese and stuff like that. But yeah, and so you were that motivated you to be like, I need to be making money. Yeah, like, I my need to make money are, right and, like, now. My, I can't fall back on my parents because they don't have any. Exactly. Yeah. There, there is no safety net. I had no safety net. My parents worked in sweatshops. And yeah. this is like, they sewed clothes by the pieces and like they would get paid for every piece of clothing that they did. So like literally it'd be like, this this one blouse, if you can complete it, would cost you twenty five cents, and they would get twenty five cents for every piece of clothing, depending on like the style or whatnot. And like literally, they were saving up cents to yeah. like to pay for a life. And I saw how hard that was, and I was just like, nah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and and like every parents that they want, they want their lives, ki- their kids' lives to be easier than theirs. So they always stress education, education, education. And then when education kind of failed me. Oh, it didn't fail me, but like when education kind but of you fell didn't, short, you didn't walk out of college and get like a bomb ass job and then be like, "Oh, I'm no. like chilling." Because the, like, there's that illusion, though, right? Like, yeah. there's the illusion, like you go to college and then you walk out and there's gonna be it's so many jobs. That, like, it's the illusion like our <laughs> parents have. Oh, in my opinion, like I never had that illusion that I was going to walk into like a, an amazing job. Like, uh, but I feel like it's our parents had the illusion, or the maybe par- maybe you did have. The, I don't know. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. I think I agree now. I wish I I didn't fall into the same illusion my parents did. Yeah. Because then I wouldn't have been as heartbroken when all of a sudden like I'm graduated college and I'm like, what the fuck? There's no jobs. Yeah. Like, what do I do? And so you you just carved out opportunities at that point, and that's when I started doing free stuff and interning and 
and I was like okay well I have to build experience you know and like that's like the f ground basis of anything is experience you know because that's what jobs are looking for is like do you have experience doing said job it doesn't matter if you're doing film or whatever do you just have experience and that's like the number one thing that will get more work out of everything right it it kind of just bankrolls and snowballs into something when you have experience and you build and you build and you build and so that's kind of what was the learning experience for me on doing those free shows for like um for for like six months and so but I was like kind of always like how can I hack the system so I don't have to do this forever and yeah, long because absolutely. I can't work for free yeah no because I'm not willing to you know what I mean like yeah because I was like I'm willing to put in my dues I'm totally doing willing to do that but my mentality was like how can I hack this system so that way I don't have to do this for longer than I need to yes so what I started doing was just paying attention I was like I started looking at all the different departments, what I wanted to do, and I started realizing what, what, other, my what other people did, right? Like what, like the yeah. job that you would have eventually, like what they did. Exactly. Yeah. And I started looking at all the different personalities. And at first, of course, like an, on a big movie set, it's the producer. Producer is the most important person on a set. They're the ones who find finances. They're the ones who put the shows together. They're the ones who everyone like is afraid of when you walk into yeah. a movie set. Producer. And so I was like, yes, I want to be a producer. I want to feel important. I want to make money. And then you start looking and you start working and like your reality start changing as you get more experience on set and you start realizing, one, does your personality fit, right? Like, and then as I started finding out more what producers did, I realized my personality wasn't as a producer. Like, um, especially in film, as, especially indie films, like producers are responsible for finding funding, for schmoozing, for doing all this stuff. And, and while I could do a lot of the logistics because I'm hyper rational and I'm really good at organization skills, I realized what I was lacking, at least in my early stages, was like hustling for money is so not in my wheelhouse. Like it made me uncomfortable, you know, and that's how you have to fund half your projects. Um, I wish it was the way it was now where like you can get cheap equipment and produce something and put it up on YouTube. But there was like, no yeah, YouTube. Yeah. There was nothing. When equipment like, just like doesn't cost as much anymore. Exactly. Yeah. And back then it was just you spent your entire life savings but, yeah. on, on a fucking camera just to make a piece of film that you hopefully can distribute through DVDs and, and send out to film festivals. It was so yeah. much harder then. Whereas now content you can like almost do everything. I mean we can do everything on, phone, on our phone, yeah. And then you have a, post you have it editing, up on I mean it, an iPhone comes with like iMovie on it now. Yeah. And like there's full like editing suites on your phone. Absolutely. And so now like there's this culture of like you can pretty much do this wherever. Yeah. And whereas I had to do it the tr more traditional way. And the traditional way was long and tedious and long. And, and I knew it. And I knew it was long and tedious and you needed to hustle and you needed to build your network. But I was still going to be like, fuck this. How, how fast can I get there? Absolutely. So And I started just kind of hacking the system on my own. And what I did was just like I started shadowing people who I thought was important. And I would just like ask them the right questions at the right time. And, and eventually I would try to strategically place myself around important people. And so when they needed something... I was the first person there that could deliver. Yeah. And and that was kind of like my inside strategy when I first started and it started to work. No, that worked for that's worked for me always. Yeah, I I mean right? like people always say I said this to some in a, in my I think my last episode or a few episodes ago. Um people always say like money money talks wealth whispers and like the like the loudest person in the room is the stupidest person in the oh, room yeah, yeah. but i say i could i might be the stupidest person in the room but i'm the most memorable person in the room if i'm the loudest person in the room <laughs> and like so many jobs have i gotten from people that i don't even remember them being like, like the oh <laughs> like i 
I got your contact information from this person that you worked with on this show. And I'm like, I literally don't know who that is. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yes, I love them. No idea who it is. But like, <laughs> they know amazing. who I was because I was the loudest, because I was loud. Yeah. And like, was a presence, even if I was a PA. Yeah. Like, and not obnoxious and, and disruptive, but like, I was a presence and made sure that my presence was known to the crew. Well, it's also smart. It also makes a difference when you're intelligent, right? Like, if you're loud and intelligent, it's better than you're loud and stupid. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> that's debatable for then- me, but okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, but like, yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And yeah. like, be also just like being known, like being around and being present and being seen by people. Yeah. Some people want to be like, oh, I want to just like get out of the way. But it's like, no, I kind of want to be in the way sometimes because yeah. I want people to see that I'm there and I'm Absolutely. paying attention and I'm trying. Well, I think the the biggest thing, you know, like I learned, especially from then until now is like what what helps in getting more jobs it doesn't and it doesn't really matter what kind of job right is to make yourself invaluable to somebody when you make someone's life easier like all of a sudden they'll think of you in such a positive way they're like why was this show so much easier to do and then if they remember you in a positive context they'll remember it's because that you were there and so when they start equating that positive feeling that you that you gave them by being present by being helpful by being intuitive they start realizing like hey that's the kind of person that i want with me regardless of what kind of job it is right so like i always aim for that like i always said to myself like whether i was being working in retail or working at a movie theater or working you know an office job like i wanted to make sure that i was helpful and to the right people at the right time and like just in general i left a good feeling and an impression because i knew that that if i did that like I could bankroll that into something that was monetarily something tangible, right? Yes. Something where like someone goes, I liked having you on that job. I want to hire you again. And so that's like essentially like, like the tactic, you know? Um, but yeah, that was like one of the biggest things I learned. And I started inserting myself into the process and making myself invaluable and low key kind of just always being there without being overly obnoxious about it. But I would always be the one secretly like, like that would be like, man, I wish I had a cup of, and then I'd hand you a cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, like little sly things that I started to do. Um, and that was something that proved invaluable to the process and, and eventually pretty much got me to where I am right now. And I'm very fortunate about that. Um, but I realized when you take care of people, people will take care of you back. Absolutely. And that's really like the lesson of it all, right? Like, and it, it's true. It, it It's like karmic in that way. And it sounds super cheesy and chicken soup for the soul fucking bullshit. But Karma takes care of karma, right? Like chicken soup for the soul. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, no, but yeah, but it is though. Yeah, right. I mean, like when I texted you about coming onto this podcast, what did you say? Anything for you? Yeah, anything for you because I knew all the times that you took care of me on set. I knew all the times that you were there for me and you supported me on set and did such great work that of course a thousand percent i didn't mean to set that up for you to compliment me but it, no, <laughs> but it kind of was sounds it kind of works sounds very <laughs> no, anyway, um, but thank you i love it um but um but yeah no you know 100 percent. like karma will just come back you know it'll come back to you yeah um so you start doing this, you start moving up. You're, I mean, yeah. like we don't have to go through every single step and every move that you made, but no. but you start moving up, and then you finally realize that you like. How do you come to the realization that you want to be on the AD team, which is the assistant director situation, taking care of the schedules and moving everything along in a timely fashion? Well, it, I mean, it took a lot of work because what I wanted uh, initially, what I went to school with, was to be a documentary filmmaker. So I wanted to be, produce documentaries. Um, and as romantic as the idea is and was back then, I realized it didn't make a lot of money. Ooh. No, it never did. Still. It, it still doesn't. It still doesn't. <laughs> it still doesn't. Yeah. Like, it's kind of one of those passion um, 
passion positions where like it requires you to actually have money or be okay with not having a lot yeah. of money and I, w- I, I had a certain living that I was aspiring to and I just didn't want that hard to be a struggle my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also started realizing my pr- own personality. As you get to know yourself in your 20s, the, one of the biggest things is not only get you get to know yourself as a person because you grow and you change and everything, you get to know yourself as a, someone in the workforce. And you start realizing, you start asking yourself the basic questions of like, what do I want to do in my life, right? What do I want to do? And wh- how can I make money doing it? And you start realizing the biggest strengths that ha- that you have again, like with you to help you understand that is to look at your own personality and say, what's like, you know, what am I inherently good at? And I was really good at communicating. I love communicating with people. I love, um, I have a little bit of a complex. I love managing. Like I, mm-hmm. I was, I've been the big sister. I'm like the oldest in my family. I've always been bossy as the term um, goes, which I don't like that term, bossy, but I've always been kind of authoritative, yes. you know? And as you start yeah, working- Yeah, so I'm the oldest child. It's like, yeah. It's, yeah. An, it's an oldest child thing. It's an oldest child yeah. thing, you know? And so I kind of seeped into that and, and I started realizing out of all the positions on set that fit my personality the most with the organizational skills, with the communication skills, with the sense of authority and the sense of importance kind of thing that I needed and I wanted, um, the first assistant director was like the biggest thing that jumped out. And I, st- I, d- I wasn't expecting to be good at it at first. I honestly was like Ugh, writing schedules and talking to people and managing. I was like, Ugh. and as you know, like you want to try everything, right? When you're young, you should try everything. I tried everything from grip department to audio to um, to working with talent to working with everything. And you know what? This is something that we can. I know this isn't like the the, yeah. the time of the podcast, but this is something that anyone can really integrate in their work because I've come to realize that like in television and in other any other job, you really need to know what everyone else. Like my dad will, will say this till the day that he dies. Oh like my God, yeah. you need to know what everyone else's job does. And I feel like because everyone always tells you in television and in other things, it's like know your lane and like be in your lane and know yeah. everything about your lane. In like your department or your like absolutely I mean, yeah I guess department is is a universal yeah. term for any kind of job or yeah any department, department. Yeah. Um, know your department and like know what they need to do but then like there's so much to to be such a good either a business person a television producer or any job in television you need to know what all the other departments want from you as well and that's yeah. I mean that's a big part of your job but absolutely but like, even as a producer I'm like fuck I don't know anything about cameras like yeah. I know nothing about cameras <laughs> like, and I'm like w- like specifically didn't learn anything about them because I was like I don't need to know this when yeah. I was like a, just a PA I was like I don't want to be like a, a but the, now like, camera PA. I don't like... give a fuck about that but I'm like god damn it like why don't I know that I could like because like the more and more I see it's like the producers just throw a camera on their shoulder and go shoot like some stuff if they need to and I'm like oh shit I could not do that if yeah. I needed to so I like that's something that's like a hole for me that I need to like yeah. you know really fill in with like inf- with knowledge because I don't I couldn't do that I wish college and, and schooling would teach you things like that and what really is invaluable for any business regardless of what kind of business you're in is to understand the micro right which is like what you do what that specific job entails what your responsibilities are but being able to see the macro which is like then pull out and see how you insert yourself into the overall like process of the flow and once you can look like like detail and then pull out to the wide wider picture and see where you fit into that 
knowing the wider picture will make you better at what you what that specific position yeah, is. You're Always. part of the picture, yeah. Exactly, because then you're able to manipulate both ends of the spectrum if you know both, you know. But yeah. knowing one and just having those blinders, it's not going to help you. And that's what I realized. It's like you have to you have to take that application. The people who are the most successful are the ones who can see the big picture and then apply it to a smaller picture and do vice versa and go both ways. And those are the things that are so valuable in in any business. And I and, and I realize that now. I was like, it wow, like that shit actually works regardless of where you're at. And now I can be confident. I'm like, I can fucking walk. And like with a little bit of training, I could probably walk into a new kind of job. And if I applied the same techniques, I could probably assure you I'd probably be successful. At yeah. It because of just. Oh, I think. Work. I mean, I say that all the time. I'm like a television. Anyone that works in television can do any any job. Exactly. That's how I feel. Like it, <laughs> but like, it feels like, like I don't a know. Chameleon. I don't know why. And that's so like. I mean, that's so like uppity <laughs> of us to say. <laughs> like so. But aside like, from like saving lives and being in an operating oh, yeah, like, room no, that requires I mean, like, yeah, no, actual. Like that's different. But I mean, like any like business type related or any kind of logistical any kind of job. Exactly. It's not a doctor or like something that involves <laughs> having a special talent like yeah. they i think like i could walk into any business job yeah. and like be like i'm fucking doing this shit up because i know how to reverse engineer things like yeah. essentially i can take what the big picture is now and figure out the moving parts and how to put those little moving parts together to make that and that's what what made has made it valuable and that's the reason why i can you know like it sounds so crazy to say that but like yeah i feel like i could probably mind hack my way through a certain position and be like okay let me figure out what this job entails. Let me figure out how this fits into the bigger puzzle. And I could probably do my best to simulate that same level of success in, in other fields of industry if yeah. I needed to. And if I wanted to, you know. Um, but luckily, you know, entertainment was something that I, I wanted to do. So I, I, I was fortunate enough to be doing something that I love doing and in the place that I was meant to do it in. What are some of the shows that you, for people that don't know, I mean, I feel that I know, but some oh, yeah. of the people that don't know, what are some of the shows that you've worked on? Um, well, I've done a lot of competition reality shows. So I started off doing features, um, but no name features for like Blockbuster. If you're lucky, you'll find these movies somewhere. Um, terrible. Like they're just. Yeah. Like those movies that I'm like, who made this? Like <laughs> yeah. When you go Blockbuster, You'd probably love them. You. The yeah. one is like oh, Mexican oh, Werewolf no, like, in Texas. Uh, you know well, chupacabra super down for that <laughs> like super down like super down um but mostly anything with a mythical creature that's like not a yeti like the like the chupacabra the jersey Chupac devil yeah. all about the jersey devil recently i like do we need to make we need to make a movie about that i love this idea of the oh jersey my gosh devil. it's very excellent like i don't know why <laughs> like, but like love it love the chupacabra like all about those i love anyway. it <laughs> Um, no, so the kind of shows I've done um, that are part of my resume has been like Top Chef. I did Top Chef for seven years. I did Project Runway years ago when it was still brand new, um, and they were still literally trying to figure out the format. Um, I helped build and write the schedules for that and really kind of formulate the how they actually produce it now in terms of um, how they shoot it and the scheduling that goes into that. So I'm kind of proud of that. Um, I've done, uh, let's see, Top Chef, Project Runway, America's Next Top Model is one of my other shows. I, mean, I did it season five and six. Like all really like no name shows that no one knows. Like very <laughs> like not, like I have never seen any of these shows before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean like. Food wait, Network Star, wait. Beat Bobby Flay, Worst Cooks. Like yeah, so yeah. it's just like competition reality in general I've done. Like yeah. I've even done a day on like MasterChef or I've done a couple days on Biggest Loser. Um, those weren't necessarily my bread and butter shows, but I've like, I've had experience at least being on those sets and, and knowing what it's like. So. Wait, what, what cycles fight? What America's like some model? 
Yes. What? Which ones were that? Which one was that? Cycle five and six. One. The winner uh, of five was. Let me think if I can guess. Yeah, this. if you can. Um. Okay, so the first one was the Adrian was Adrian. The second oh season God. was Joanna. Oh, <laughs> when this show was on, like the first like what eight seasons, like I was fucking Shut obsessed. Up. Obsessed. Everyone was. It was so <laughs> fucking good. God, if it was, you like, had the known, best my mom and I watched all of them. <laughs> so Johanna was the second winner. The third winner was. God, if you it was know the this girl, she had a short hair. She was like. Did she have light eyes? She had light eyes, but she was dark skinned. Like, yes. I'd want to say and that she, she was mixed, hair. but I shouldn't say that because like, totally I have no mixed. fucking idea yes, I know what exactly. her ethnicity was. But she took the photo of her hand on her face and there was a tarantula on her yes, hand. Yes, I remember. Her name was Eva. Yes, Pickford. Eva. Um, the fourth <laughs> winner was. <laughs> Fuck. Who was the fourth winner? I think I don't know. I don't even remember who the winners are on my season. Five, you might. Season five. Now it's getting blurry. Yeah. Was it Danielle? I think it was Danielle. Yeah, I think you're right. Because that was the first name that came to mind on, on Five. Danielle. She had done that. Her her best picture was when they were doing the, they were all princesses and they were falling and she was Snow White and she was holding an apple and it was like bomb. <laughs> I vividly remember that scene. You know, uh, one and of my friends produced all the photos for those. Really? Yeah, she was the she was the photography producer and she would come up with the ideas of. That's um, like a dream. Yeah, it was it was a crazy a job for her. My God. Oh yeah. My God. But yeah, That'd be, no. that would have been like amazing. Um, what did? Wait, and then season six, I don't remember. S- yeah, season six, our finale was in Thailand, so I don't know if you remember. Oh, um, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, was that with was Jade on that season? Yes. Fuck, that was such a good one. <laughs> oh my yes. god, I didn't even know that about you. Yeah, that was yeah. It was me. I did all. Oh, I, I've done everything from like really awesome shows to like something like that. Or oh, yeah. And you like, did I Love New York. I did Flavor of Love 2. Flavor of Love 2. Yeah. Oh, you know that God. story remember about. The day, do you remember the day that you told me that and I like had a fucking mental breakdown? I, I told you about the story about Where the girl. Where the girl pooped on the staircase. And that was kind of partially my fault. And it was your fault. Yeah. Because she was <laughs> like, I have to shit. And you were like, no. Yeah. Because I thought she was <laughs> fucking with me. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like this lowly little AD. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just starting out. And this, like, my first, I tell my first AD, my boss, I'm like, hey, this woman really needs to go to the bathroom. And she's like jumping up and down. And he goes, no, we're almost done. Tell her no. And and I had to tell her no. And she, as, so she didn't. And as soon as we call cut, she's running up the stairs and she shit herself. I mean, sorry to everyone listening, but that's very vile. I know. Disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> but also a great story. But also, <laughs> and also like very sad for her. I mean, it was the season. It was the years of like the surreal life yeah. too, oh, you know, stuff like time. that. Such a good time. Yeah. I also did. Miss it. What was the other show? Oh, Beauty and the Geek for CW. <gasps> I did Beauty and the Geek seasons. Yeah. Oh, so. God. Like, funny, everything from the funny to the absurd. Yeah. You know, I've done all those shows. Fun stuff. Oh, that's so good. Wait, who won Jade's season? It was Jade. It was the girl. Hmm. I don't remember who won that season, to be honest. I, like, loved that one so much. I can't remember who any of the other girls were. (laughs) Yeah. I think it was a white girl that won. The white, I think the white girl won on season five. And because we were in London in season five, and I'm pretty sure the girl was white. London was the girl, the Lisa, and she wore the diaper and she peed her pants in the diaper <laughs> with the guy from Jackass, right? Oh and she God. got drunk and was talking to like a bush, <laughs> and she was calling it cousin it, and she's like, bla- like, like blackout drunk, like laying in like. A th- oh, because I was, I was like a little kid, like loving reality television and eating it all up. 
Oh and she's God. like talking to a bush and like it was like they like shot just the bush and, and it here was, like, i am i'm like cousin, working and you were there oh yeah. my God. yeah i was wow, there. you're a legend <laughs> i mean i knew i loved you but like this is just another level oh thank you oh my god but you weren't there for whenever tyra like screamed at that girl right oh i was there you were there when that happened yep was that what season was that oh god wait we was... i literally did i don't like on some of these episodes of my podcast i do reality readings where we do dramatic readings <laughs> do of reality doubt, scenes and i did that scene oh my god and i no. was tyra <laughs> being there in person watching the yelling in person is is a whole different thing and it's just like because you don't have like the presence of like the tv aspect yeah, of it like the of, editing. it's separating you also. yeah where it's separating you when you're actually there for the for the real moment of someone like losing their shit it's yeah. actually super it's like very sc- and scary and terrifying yeah. yes because you don't know what's gonna happen you know what i mean yeah um, Wait what ha- Oh my god Like oh, how was it so crazy You were <laughs> was, there This is like intense. a big deal Okay so it was like So intense And then <laughs> was, and then she was just done Right And then like yeah. what happened And then it, it was and then just, she walked off And got eliminated And then Tyra was just over it Or yeah. like what Like well there was like A moment in her interview Where she was like Fuck this shit Fuck yeah, like, like top model like, Fuck like, everything fuck, yeah. Like she just went off You know And then Tyra was doing her thing It was just like It was like a whole Mess of like yeah, and it's reality, right? So like we're like film, like to like, film this, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And so I didn't know half of the shit would end up on TV. I didn't know people, someone like shitting themselves would end up on TV. I literally was like, this woman made an accident. Holy shit! Uh, literally, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, you know, you never know half the time this this stuff actually ma- becomes content. And yeah, that was like my first introduction into like reality TV. I'm like, holy fuck! Oh, there's like so many things are... where it's like I feel that we're crossing a line, or like just not even like and not it, but just like oh, they'll never air this because it's like too yeah. crazy. And then like and then they just do. like all completely in there, like, <laughs> literally whole episode built around it. And I'm like, oh shit! Yeah, <laughs> like, like, like it's insane. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh my god, that's just so great! I didn't even know that. Yeah, you probably strategically did not tell me any of that <laughs> stuff. But like, I just kind of like pass them on because after a while, like all all of the shows kind of run together. Yeah. You know? No, it like, is weird like that. Um, okay, so transitioning into yeah. so those are some of the shows like you know a lot of uh, yeah. not famous shows that you've worked on like really like not a good career at all. Um, and then <laughs> and so you, I would like to talk about things that you've like kind of like little nuggets of wisdom that you've given me or just that you give your you give your team um anyone that works on your team that you that we could trans like we could make universal or as i as i call it said earlier evergreen evergreen can kind of be placed anywhere and not specific to just television um like some of the nuggets that you i'm trying to think of some things that you've told me that i've like take like that i've remembered and often think about um you used to say you used to say to me like if there's a problem, like make it not a problem before it comes a problem for me. Yeah. So a lot of the problem, so a lot of the things like um, that happen on on sets, right, or anywhere, right, is like problems come out. There's issues. Nothing ever runs smoothly for anything, regardless of your job. There's always bound to be problems to happen. And with TV, it's a little bit more fast paced because you're pressure cooking situations into maybe like a two week job or it could be a three week or it could be three months or three years. It doesn't like but it's short term. It's not meant to be a job that you, you know, a project that you run on for 20 years if you're lucky. Right. And so problems will always come come by and problems are constantly flying by. And the job of a first AD, especially when you're problem solving for a living, is that you start realizing, is this a real problem or an imaginary one? And sometimes people just have the anxiety to panic because um, 
there's an operator who said something really funny to me the other day and he goes um he saw people, an operator is like a cameraman yes, for a camera, yes, operator. camera camera operator a yeah. camera operator came up to me and he said something he goes god everyone is just a little you know high strung on this one and it's and it's like the feeling is like i'm temporarily confused so that's why i'm like yelling and going crazy and and that's really the heart of it is like people get temporarily confused or they get really um, anxious or frustrated and you know when problems arise and so what ends up happening is that you know like you you start taking on all these problems and you start having to figure out is this a real problem or is this not a real problem and if you have a team of people that you're actually leading you have to entrust those people that are leading your team with you to like help you solve some of these and part of it is for me is like I have to take care of like the problems that go from up to down, right? And certain problems I can I can trust to you guys to actually handle. And so what I, I expect from you guys is if you guys see something that you know is going to be a problem for me, like I hope that you guys have the foresight and the willingness and the attitude to kind of problem solve that on your own. And that's really like a lot of the things that managers look for, regardless of um, what kind of shows or, or what kind of position you do. A lot of us that um, that are in key managerial positions, when we hire people and when we see people, we want to we want to know that you're going to be able to to solve this problem without us, because sometimes like we're not you're not available. I'm not available. Yeah. I'm just not. There's too many fires to put out, and if you can solve one fire for me, that makes you such invaluable to the process in and of itself. And I think that you can apply that pretty much to any job, right? Like. You know, I think so. Yeah. In corporate America, you can apply that as a banker. You can apply that as in real estate. You know, like you become invaluable to somebody when you can problem solve on your own and help us problem solve the bigger overall picture and take a cut of the pie, you know, like the responsibility out. When you make someone's life easier and you make yourself, you become invaluable to that process, it makes, it, it puts a monetary value to you. And for me, that, like, that, that makes you invaluable to me that makes me want to hire you over and over again because i'm like thank god like he can take care of a problem that i don't have to think about and it makes my life easier anybody who makes your life easier you want to keep around yeah of course. it's just basic you know I'm trying to think of more yeah like um you know i always tell people like uh, you know i i heard this on set once and and i found it so invaluable it was a uh, God made you with two eyes and two mouth, um, two eyes and two ears and one mouth because you're supposed to look and listen twice as much as you're supposed to speak. That's something I should probably get tattooed like <laughs> on my forehead or like on my <laughs> hand, back of my hand. But yes, okay. Um, and so that's like one of the the key components. It's like knowing how to read a situation. That's one absolutely one thing that I think in life people should totally practice. Absolutely, have situational awareness of your surroundings. Um, and really understand, right? Like, because when you're sensitive to your environment, you can pick out problems a lot easier and then you can problem solve a lot faster because you see them faster. You see the problems faster because you're more sensitive to it. But that requires you to actually sit and observe and feel the situation out. That's why, like, learning how to read a room is important. Like, like comedians can do that when they read a room. Like... I'm, I'm sure you're not going to tell redneck jokes to a bunch of like urban fucking black guys in Harlem. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you want to tailor certain things to the right audience. And so one of the things that people taught me is know your audience. You know, yeah. you, can, you don't have to be a performer to know your audience. 
you should know your audience. You should know if you're going to be insulting people. Like, you don't want to talk about pregnant people when half the people, you know, and disparage them when half the people have kids in the room. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. just like you're not going to talk about your single life and how fun it is and how crazy you are when you're surrounded by everyone who's married and has kids and hasn't been out from forever. Like, you know, like you just kind of need that like little considerate edge of like oh is this the right time is the right place and then with that being said if you know the right time in the right place you also know when to strike and that's like yeah. what makes it targeted you know and that's what makes successful people successful because they know what people want to hear when they need to hear it and that's like and, and they know what people need when they need it and so that's what makes it intuitive and that's where intuition really comes in but it starts with learning to read the room and yeah. be situationally aware so the, yeah, I I tell I teach my guys that all the time, just sit and listen. Like before I even do anything anymore, I first walk in. I'll probably be the quietest person in the room, and I'll just sit and listen for a minute. And then knowing the vibe and the tempo of the room, and then when it's appropriate, then I start riding and coasting that wave in the right time in the right manner. And I've learned that that's like something that like over time I've honed. And it's made me successful in, in pretty much um, in a lot of aspects of my life, not even just my business aspect and my personal aspect. You know, that's what, that's how I can like charm like my boyfriend's like family members. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like you could be like, oh, I'm going to timely correct this like joke and like they're all going to love me or they're going to see how giving I am or, you know, like you just want like. It, it's just a wave it, it sounds bad when you say manipulating but you can manipulate the situation in your favor by just knowing yeah so it's like a it's kind of like a tools of the trade you know what i mean i wish it was better in dating for me but you know yeah I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what um i'm trying to think of like other things that you've that you usually say to us or like things that you've said to me yeah um i mean i say a lot of, i i feel like <laughs> I always joke I feel like an old kung fu master where I have a lot of like l sayings and um, lately I've I've always said practice flexibility you know um, yeah one of the key components to life in general and this is even something that I've even personally told my friends I was like um, I'm 35 now well I'm gonna be 35 in October but I'm 34 um, so I'm in technically in my mid 30s and one of the things that I've learned and I've practiced in some sort of weird cheesy way is like especially with the job, what I learned from my job um, is to be flexible. And that's like one weird thing that people are not because I think people have a certain idea in their head of what they want out of everything. And sometimes when you're not flexible to the change into the environment that's around you and you constantly stick to an idea and of course you're going to get upset when it doesn't go your way. Yeah. And, and it kind of mitigates your happiness that way. Right. Like, um, people always write checklists for themselves. I'll be happy when I have this hot boyfriend and I make X amount of money and I'm living in this part of the city or things like that. And they constantly have this checklist. And, and I tell people, I'm like, well, what happens when the checklist, like nothing is marked down. So you're not yeah, happy. like, are you not happy? Yeah. You know, like, are you just constantly living in this like, like weird, like, like limbo of like I'm waiting to be happy until all these things happen and so I started realizing I'm like nothing ever goes your way because if you know anything about film or tv nothing goes the way you ever plan it yeah ever ever, ever. like best laid plans is is like the funniest thing I've ever heard I was really like okay this is what you want to do whether or not it happens we'll see um, but flexibility is something that I think people need to practice more and something that I've practiced in my own personal career that I think has shown me a lot of growth and potential. And I think that's one of the key components I've been teaching my kids lately. When I say my kids, like the people who work for me under, under you. Yeah. yeah like I, that's the thing that, um, 
I teach them. Like I want them to understand like um, be flexible, be flexible to the process, be flexible to change and be flexible with the outcome because sometimes it's never going to go a thousand percent your way. But like um, one of my mentors taught me 80-20, right? You know the 80-20 principle. Yeah. Like 80%, you don't, if you wait for something to be 100% perfect, you're going to be waiting for a fucking long time. Yeah. But 80-20 is like that process of like flexibility. You know what I mean? It kind of puts you in that middle ground of like, shit, well, this is best laid plans is this, but if it doesn't happen that way, I can still be happy and I can still be proud. And I think that's something that people need to, to learn. And to me, I think it's, I, um, it's only helped me more as I grow older and, and as I grow into my position and as I keep learning flexibility and openness, basically openness. And like, I think people have a lot of egos that get in the way in any job. Yes. Absolutely. People have such big egos. Like, uh, including us oh yeah <laughs> like, like, oh i'm an mo- egomaniac most, mostly us <laughs> <laughs> i mean anybody who works in the entertainment business has to have an ego yeah um or else you won't just sur- you won't just sur- you won't survive um but we're all creatures of ego and like and i think one of the things that we have a problem with is you know, outside of flexibility is openness to learn and and to willing to submit ourselves to the process and be humble because like to be honest like i was a know-it-all kid growing up like i constantly argued with my mom i thought i knew better than everybody i i would walk into a room thinking i was the smartest person there and that works for a little bit until it doesn't yeah and then when it doesn't you're fucked <laughs> and then like you're put in a position where in boxing because um i'm a boxer too. i know i was gonna like end with that but yeah go ahead <laughs> oh yeah um you know like they say there's a there's a quote that says you're gonna be humble or be humbled yeah and at, at a certain point and regardless of what you do whether it's a sport or any activity or, or job or anything like that there's going to come to a point where your ego is going to take over and then all of a sudden you will be humbled through the process and then all of a sudden you learn humility and and embarrassment and disappointment and everything and how do you come back up from that and how you come up back up from that is just being open right and it's it's realizing that one I'm not as smart as I think I am I don't know everything I don't pretend to know everything anymore um if anything like I want every even if I've done something a thousand times I want to be open to learning something new from each one of that experience every time because yeah. I think being open to learning and being open to trying something new will make you grow, you know, and make you and make you adapt. And you were saying relevant. you were saying that you that you have been starting to like try to learn stuff from your quote unquote kids. Um, oh yeah, like you were you're like you were just telling me that you have been like really listening to them and like really trying to learn as much as you can from them. Yeah, and, like just as much as you teach them. Absolutely. I think everyone has something to offer um, that you can learn from, regardless of age. Um, (laughs) We have a tendency to kind of, uh, we have a tendency to kind of be like, you know, like, you, like, oh, like, you know, like, older people are wiser. And like I said to you, I was like, being older doesn't make you wiser. Because I know a lot of dumb fucking people my age, let's face it. you know, like everyone likes to say, oh, they're so young and so dumb. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm I learn from young people, people who are 10 years younger than me. I learn from people who are 15 years younger than me all the time. Like and I think that was something that's so invaluable. I appreciate it so much. That's why I love surrounding myself with you guys, because you guys teach me new things and new values that I I want to learn and I want to yeah. grow with, you know, and and that's something that's like very important to me. And 
I'm I get excited when I learn from something from from you guys. Like part of it is like one's like, you know, I learned how to be humble through you guys and see or be driven. When I see how hungry like you are about certain things, it makes me go fuck yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and it motivates me to do the same thing for my own self. But I have to be open to that and I have to be open to learning to from other people. But yeah, just be open, you know, like that's another thing, you know, like you know, everyone wants success. It's like when you say s- to somebody, oh, you don't want success. It's like people are going to be like, of course I want success, yeah. you know. And so now I'm on the mindset of like, let's teach everyone how to be successful. Because if you build a f- wider network of success, you're, uh, what you're building is a network of success for yourself. So making someone great only makes you, you better. better. It doesn't make the, And even if you they become your competition, you know what I mean? Oh, like it still makes that it still is, makes it that much better. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I was taught by my mentor. Um, he was a former Navy SEAL. Fucking awesome. Um, very stoic. Very kind of one of those like really great personalities. And he told me like he goes, if you're good enough, there's an um, he goes, there's enough slice to slices of the pie to go around. And if anything, there's more pies that you don't even know about. Yeah. You know what I mean? Rather so he, the, yeah. So instead of fighting, I feel the, for same, that same, way, I feel the same way. Yeah. I think people get this weird thing where like, don't train your competition. I'm like, why? Yeah. I want to train well, everyone. People get, but the other thing is that I feel that people, the people that are like that, I feel are very insecure in their job for either that they feel that way or they are like yeah. their job is not, is very replaceable yeah. because they're not, because like someone could easily succeed them. Yeah. But the trick of the trick is to understand that you are replaceable and to be okay with it. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, that's the, that's really how the mind hack works. Like everyone's so terrified. Oh my God, I'm replaceable. And they're insecure about everything. But like, yeah, bitches, we're all replaceable. It's not like you're, you know, you're not a beautiful, unique snowflake. There's somebody that was like you probably 50 years ago. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that is something that you have said to me too. You were like, none of us matter. Like you said, like you were like, listen, like I none of us matter. matter. You know, you were like, I definitely don't matter. And yeah. you were, yeah. You were saying that and it was just and that like sounds so harsh, but it was really just the fact of like the guys, this is just a job like it's not yeah. the end of the world. Yeah. I want to do the best at it. Absolutely. You know, and that's one of the things that I've always wanted and I try to instill in people. And I think we talked about this in terms of like grit and determination. Like you read that book by Angela Duckworth. Mm-hmm. Um, I love I read a lot of books on psychology. Um, it's something that I'm kind of it's like a, a big hobby of mine is yeah. psychology. Yep, and same. Like, that whole thing. Um, and I've been reading things on the champion mindset, on extreme fear, on grit, on determination, on the power of habit. Like I have like a whole list of reading things. Um, and part of it is just like understanding my mind and my behavior and how to how can I be a better person and be better at my job so I understand behavior. And understanding how people behave makes you better to adapt in your surroundings and then that makes you better all around, and w- yeah. regardless of job, position, or whatever. And to me, I think that's just something that's like... That's fun. one thing that I always say and people are like, people always are like oh how did you get to where you're doing how do you blah blah i'm like because i'm a personable person yeah like and i wish i could say that it was like because i was the best in my class and i fucking made all these fucking dumbass films and like made and sent them to people and people were like wow you're like such a great director it's like yeah. no i was a good i was like had a good personality had a good attitude yeah and i um and i really like had like people wanted to keep me yeah. around and it was like I was like and I've said that on like many a panel that yeah. I've been on and some people are like some like editors are like oh my god like no you have to be technically savvy I'm like I never fucking nah. was I didn't know shit and people oh, gave please. me the chance because I just had a good attitude and good was ad- hungry to do it and that can we can segue into the one thing that we were talking about earlier before we started recording was was like a good attitude trumps experience like every single time absolutely I will take somebody with no experience but a great attitude nine times out of ten 
um, only because I think an attitude is something that you can't learn. It's something that's yeah, something no. it's hard to teach. A good attitude is hard to teach because an attitude and a mindset is something that's like inherent in somebody, right? Like if you're always um, adapted to think on the negative, then of course pretty much every outcome and scenario that you problem solve is going to go into the negative. But if you want a positive outcome, it's just as simple as saying like think positively. You know what I mean? And like be the person that's willing to s fall seven and rise eight. Like, you know, be Michael Jordan, who for every hundred shots he made, he did thousands that he missed and he was OK with it, you know, um, and he had a good attitude. Like, you know, like good attitude takes you so much further in life. And I wish I knew that earlier. Earlier. Yeah, I didn't know that earlier. And I had like an attitude problem. I was like, you know, like and and like we all had beef. Right. My insecurities would show everything would show. And one of my things was like being a negative. And I think we pride ourselves too much on being negative these days. A, a thousand percent. This is something I tell my my guys. I tell my friends. I tell anybody in business or out of business. We take too much pride in telling people and, and, and making the negative sound glamorous. But negativity is not cool. No, like, at in the all. Long run. I know. I agree with you completely 100%. And I like fucking hate people like that. Yeah, like what? <laughs> like, like it's like, just like not fun. Like I don't, it's not like, fun to be around. Yeah, like being a hater is like everyone thinks it's funny and cool. But like being a hater, but like. Well, why are you hating on the people who are just living their lives and doing the things that they're that they're happy? Like, why is being happy and positive like not cool? Like, yeah, I think being happy and positive should be fucking cool. Like, because like those are the people who, in the face of adversity, still find positive outcomes. Yeah, to things. and I'm like, and are like un wrong. and are like unaffected by. Yeah. Like if you're a happy person, like there's bad things that happen, like that's really sad. But yeah, but they are gonna go on and live their lives. I mean, I not to get into mindfulness, but people always think like yeah. mindfulness is about like being happy and being numb to everything no. and like not it's letting have it, not having any emotions. And it's really just ha feeling every emotion and being able to deal with it in the correct capacity and exactly. to feel it fully and let it pass by. That's so funny you say that because I practiced Zen Buddhism when I was, um, you know, everyone has that phase where like, the yeah. Oh, I did. I had a whole blog, The Bird Years. Remember my <laughs> blog? Like, it's still, I mean, it's still up on the internet. I had a whole phase in it. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. I used to read a lot on um, Zen Buddhism, on mindfulness, on meditation, on, mm -hmm. I used to practice a lot of Eastern philosophies um, and um, samurai culture. Um, I've always been indebted. Oh, yeah, you were, yeah, you've, yeah. Into warrior culture, like Bushido. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. The very stoic. You've had, like, but you've, like, been reading books about it, too. Like, I've seen you read books about it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a, a part of my reading circle, and mindfulness is one of those concepts that we take for granted, but it's actually super fucking useful. Like, in yeah. life, in business, in anything. Being mindful and present and being able to to do to do that can drive your passion and drive you as a big motivator for success and not enough people use it not enough people practice it not enough people understand it and i think if we just took a minute and was like present and was mindful of our situation mindful of our context mindful of our attitude mindful of what we where we are what we are and where we want to go it helps you get to that next step a lot faster but if you're closed off, yeah. If you're just well, when in you're your just bubble, like I'm like in my thing and I'm in my lane, and then it's like years later, you're like, I'm like you're still trying to climb over that mountain that you haven't climbed over yet. Yeah, yeah. Like you start letting go of a lot of things that don't matter and realizing the stuff that actually do matter. Yes. And so that's what mindfulness really brings, and I think that's something that people should practice more often. Yeah, it's becoming more popular. It's be it's I hope be so. it is it really is. You there, think so? Because more I people, feel like yes, people I like seep into. No, like, I, 
uh, people are talking about it. It's becoming so much more Good. of a thing. Meditation is becoming so westernized, like how yoga was like back yeah. in the day and like still is oh, today, God. obviously. Meditation is becoming is becoming very, very like normal and not like a weird yeah. new thing that people do that's like hokey and like you know what I mean? Like they don't think of it as like um and like being like Yeah. Like people think of it in like a normal way Dude, now. It's- more normal. Mindfulness has helped me in my focus. Like, yeah. Number one thing is like focus and drive, right? And, like, and just getting what you were saying earlier, like just not giving a fuck about the things that don't matter. Yeah, like why? cutting those things out, like are just. Like, I mean, people, I've written like so many articles about it, but even just like I changed my thing in my in my um in my phone, like to delete my text message after like thirty days, because like I don't fucking like what do I need? Why do I need that? Yeah. I also, like it like that. saves your storage on your phone, but like, <laughs> like it's a life. It's like a hack for your phone, but also like, like I don't. Yeah. If if it's something that important, I'll save it. It makes me yeah. give it importance if it needs it. Yeah. Or like I have my re like my re uh, red receipts on, so like oh, nice. I won't look at a text message until I'm ready to respond to it oh, because that's it's like awesome. I don't want to have it because one I'll just forget because I'll read it and be like what and then like forget because I'm like re- re- really strangely scatterbrained sometimes, but but like if I read it. If I yeah. read the text message, I know that I have to like respond because I'm gonna forget. Yeah, like you know what I mean. So I know, so I will keep it unread until I'm ready to like. I love really that. process actually, it and really give an answer. Because there's so many times wow. when it's like people text something like, "Oh, I have no idea," and then I won't remember to text them back. And but then it's like I'll just keep it person. unread and I just won't read it yet and wait yeah. like for maybe a day yeah. or two, and then we'll be like, "Oh wait, I know this answer now, or I can really like give you a better answer." So I'll just wait and then. Have you practiced minimalism at all by any chance? I can't. I'm too. I love. You love things. I love things too much. (laughs) I wish I could. That was one of the things like when I was practicing, like steadily practicing Eastern philosophy and things like that was one was minimalism. You should like the fun fact about me was before I got married. If you had seen my apartment, it it was a hyper minimalist apartment. I literally had a bed and a table, a couch, and a TV. And in my kitchen, I only had one plate, one no, knife, one no, fork, no, one No, 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 no. Oh, my God, no. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was a hyper- Like, literally, like, the, the exact opposite of me. I have, like, too much shit. And I, like, collect <laughs> antiques that have serve zero purpose other than to be beautiful. Like, uh, and, like, art on the walls and, like, stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. No, I, could, I, I, could, I found I just, aesthetically like, beautiful was to, like, have nothing. And I, I think yeah. I took it a oh, little it, too it far. Oh, it can but... be. No, it can be gorgeous. But oh, yeah. I, it'll just never be me. But it's not practical. I mean, it's not practical for certain people people and for me i started realizing as you grow into your adulthood and to your life you collect memories and you collect things mm-hmm. as part of those memories and it's absolutely important. and so but it's like a big part of my life but that actually. was like part yeah. of my like my thing is like practicing that as well and bl- just decluttering and cleansing and, yeah. and that decluttering concept. and cleansing is great oh for but sure. i just fill that right back up back like i just oh i empty the trash bin and i just fill it right back up yeah but that's but, my that's my thing. <laughs> but I'm so glad. It's so nice to hear young people. I, was, I mean, like young people, I feel like I'm not old, but like, but it's so nice to hear that people practice that mindfulness and, and that thing because I, I feel like it's such an outdated concept or no, it's, it's a concept. N- I feel that it's a newer old. concept. Wow. Okay. I'm like, I, I love it. I'm like excited. I about feel that mindfulness is, na- is like a newer, it, uh, to me, it feels new because it's like, it's becoming more mainstream than it ever has been. Well, I think people should practice it yeah. in general for, for past success. And yeah. I think if anything, like applying that kind of, those kinds of techniques into business and into like career or life, I think will, will show growth exponentially. And I, and I know I've, I've grown exponentially as a result of practicing and being mindful and doing that and yeah. I think it I, I owe a lot of it to my career as well 
I practice a lot of calm and patience and focus and drive. Like, how do, you know, like, when you do a job as heavy as what we do, like, you have to maintain focus for so long. How do you maintain that over time? Yeah. How do you make it so it's thing? But, like, that requires a change in you. You know what I mean? Like, you need to be Yeah, it's not yelling at everyone. Like, it's not yelling at everyone to, to, like, go faster. It's, like, you giving people the time to do their job. Exactly. Yeah. And hopefully you you have outlined it in a way that makes clear and makes sense and gives them the comfort and, and support of what they need. And I realize it's less about me being a boss is more about me being a leader. And it's not coddling people. No, not at all. Yeah, because I feel that, that sometimes people are like, well, I'm not going to hold everyone's hand. And it's like, it's not holding people's well, hand. Then that's when you go into micromanaging. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the difference. I think a true leader really looks at their people and lets them fly, right? Like, like the people that you want, like... A, a great leader makes other great leaders and you want the person that's going to take the reins on their own and do the things because you that's going to relieve and make your life easier. You don't want to micromanage people because micromanaging people just makes more work for you, which is kind of counterintuitive to the whole process the whole pro of, like, yeah. of like being yeah, a like, why are you even here? Because I'm just doing your job for you, basically. Exactly. But people don't understand that. I think people one people don't trust people enough. Yeah, right? like no. that's just like an inherent thing. Like when you walk into an office, sometimes your boss will be like, like, OK, I want you to do it this way, but I want you to do it exactly like this. But then I want you to do it just like that. And I'm like, yeah. So and then sometimes you kind of just want to turn around like, well, do you want to do this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. 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 Or why don't like for me, I started I at first I was that kind of boss. And then I started realizing, well, how about I just give you the big picture and how you get there is pretty much irrelevant as long as you get there in the time frame that I want it. You know what I mean? Like, so here we go. And so, but it's, it's a balance, right? You have to give them some direction and then you also have to let, you know, like, um, let them fly and let them like coast on their own because that's the only way people are going to grow is if they do it on their own, which is a lot of teachers don't understand. It's like they, they want to coddle you and they want to hold you to the process, but sometimes you're just, all you're doing is stifling growth. Yeah. And you want people to grow stronger. You don't want them to be dependent on you. You want them to be interdependent. You know, not dependent, yeah. which is a problem that a lot of managers have, which they can't see, which I'm trying to learn. And that's the reason why I, I read books on behavioral science. I read books on language. I, I started realizing, oh, wait, like it's less about me as a boss. It's more about them and how quickly I can get them to understand the message I'm giving them. So ha it's having to understand the people that work for you and having to read them and being like, okay, what's the best way Chris is going to understand the way the, the, what my agenda is. And then I got to tailor it. And really the heart of it. And, and Sun Tzu wrote this in the art of war is like a true leader bends to the will of their people. Yeah. Rather than the way around. Like when you are a leader, you don't think like I have a lot of followers and they're bending to my will. When you start having that attitude, you start realizing the minute someone doesn't do it your way, then all of a sudden you get upset and the whole system falls apart. But really what you start realizing is that like you have to inspire people, motivate people and you have to let people do it. It's not always going to be perfect and it's not always going to be your way unless you want to do it. yourself. Yeah. So but but you can't do everything on your own and that's what you have to quickly realize in anything in life you can't do anything by yourself all the time you're going to need a support system at one point in your life anywhere and if you're going to need that support system you have to practice trust yeah you have to practice faith you know and that's like another thing you have to practice understanding and patience and teaching people requires that but patience is one of those things too it's like Give people the flexibility and the patience to learn the way they need to learn and then step away and hopefully like, 
you know, like I tell my guys when I train them, I said, when you give someone an assignment and I want you to train other people, if someone fails, you have to ask yourself as a leader, did they fail you or did you fail them? And, and what I mean by that is, did you give them an outline and a description of what you wanted? Did you set them up for success? Did you give them everything and the tools they needed to succeed? Or did you just say, get it done and then walked away and then you're surprised it failed? Because sometimes you have to ask yourself, did I fail you as a leader? Did I not explain it enough? Did yeah. I not? And if there's even a doubt, a reasonable doubt in your mind that you didn't do enough to help them, then it's your fault too. You, you also have to take accountability for that. And I have to do that with my, with my friends, with my people, with my family. Like, and, it's, and you start realizing, fuck, it's a two-way street. You yeah. know? Everything's a two-way street. Nothing is one way in this world. And the minute you start realizing it's a back and forth process, it's a give and take, it's a partnership, it's something like that, like you'll live a much happier life. When you start ruling in a dictatorship, like in your own life, good luck. Like that's yeah. why I laugh at those people who are like, I don't understand why like guys don't like me. And I'm like, and I'm like, well, what have you done to change like your habits, right? Like if A plus B equals C. Or like, like have one, have room to like let people in, like have room in your life for a person to yeah. date or two. Yeah. That's the one thing I always tell everyone. I was like, do you have any room in your life for another person? Yeah. Because like if you don't, then like why the, where the fuck are they going to go? Yeah. Do you, I mean, yeah. are, you, are you a complete person? You know, are you fixing yourself? Yeah. Because you can't expect like people always have this weird idea. I'm like, like you're fucked up and you have issues and you want the perfect guy or the perfect girl. I'm like. Well, like you're fucked up. Like, like <laughs> you gotta fix. Yeah, like, you're like working first. through a lot of shit right now. Like you need to like get through that. Yeah, yeah. you gotta fix that. And 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 what they don't realize is positivity attracts positivity, right? Yeah. Like, good attracts good. Like energy, energy is contagious. Energy is something that like people can feel and visibly and and inspire. And so that's the reason why good attitude and positive energy is important for both in your life and in professional life. Because if you want to surround yourself with people who are ambitious and who are driven, who are positive, then you have to be ambitious, driven, and positive. It's not like you can be the negative Nancy and yeah. all of a sudden be like... And like no one is going to help you get out of... Like you have to help yourself. Before, oh, yeah. I know, that's like such a thing. I mean, like and everyone has to learn it the hard way, but... Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So the, those are just like some of the basic things. I mean, like it's weird to, to think about it, but a lot of the lessons that you end up learning for longevity in this business are lessons that I think people should even apply to their own personal lives. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that I've no, applied. No, absolutely, same. You know, like yeah. flexibility. Wow, like the fact that I'm flexible helps me in my personal life with my family members. And also just like, okay, I've set up like this shot and I've set up this and this is happening and blah, blah, blah. And we're like shooting here and then guess what fucking happens? Like a bus pulls up right in front of like where we're supposed to shoot and they won't move. Yep. Like what else are we going to fucking do? Yeah. Like, so guess what? Like we're gonna move down the street, or we're gonna just like completely like yeah. flip the line. I mean, like, I don't want to use too many terms. So, like flip the line and like just shoot it, and the bus will be in the background. Exactly. Or like we're gonna go like we'll just literally like play with it and just make it fun and make it a part of the scene where it's like, oh, isn't it fucking funny that like we're here and this exactly. fucking big ass bus is there or something? I mean, that's like adapt a, and yeah. overcome. Like, and just you like know? same thing in your personal life, like oh, you've set you've set up this this and that to do like the to have like the perfect yeah I don't know vacation or <laughs> blah blah or something or like anything or yeah. like oh I got this job and then guess what you're, you're your job you lose your job like you get laid off like you're like a sh I was working on a show and it just went dark and yeah. like we I had no warning and they didn't have any warning like and there's nothing anyone could do about yeah. it and that I was like oh I thought I was going to be on this for like months and months and months and guess what I, lo I lost my job in a day and yeah. not not because I would like for any fault of my own other than the fact that they like 
needed to pause the show. Yeah, and then what do you do? You you yeah. have to like ad- make adjustments. You, Absolutely. Like it, er, life is about making adjustments, and it's not like it's not compromising anything, but you do have to understand that like it, you just have to adjust, like, yeah. adjust to the situation, adjust to the circumstance, adjust, adjust, adjust. And I guess it goes back to being flexible. Yeah, yeah. it's all about that. So. Um, I want to quickly talk about boxing because I feel like you'll probably have like a few little things that you uh, want to say. Just I mean, just yeah, just like for anyone that would be interested and just I feel like it's a lot of discipline and a, yeah. a lot of like obviously getting punched in the face yeah. so that's always fun too um, <laughs> so I'd love to talk about just for like quickly for like five yeah. minutes like boxing how you got into it like what what you've learned from it what you like about it is yeah. it worth it etc 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 so boxing came into my life um, I've always been a tom tomboy um, in terms of growing up I've always been the girl that loved like rough activities like I yeah. was like um, my mom always said she had three sons and not a daughter and two sons. Um, I always liked anything that was like kind of heavy duty because I've always been um, a very aggressive alpha personality. Yeah. I love being I love confrontation in terms of like um, that kind of level. And in the 80s, there wasn't um, there wasn't a lot of those mentors. Right. Like, you know, boxing was like a guy's thing. Um, and so I grew up, um, I was overweight for the majority of my adult years. And even since I was 13, I've always been overweight. And I decided one day, um, I woke up, my, my dad had passed away. Um, I, I actually, my dad, my best friend, two uncles, an aunt all passed away within six months. Oh my God. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So there was one year, so it was 2013, uh, December of 2013 into 2014, um, my dad passed away in December 2013. Oh, two I, months didn't, later. I didn't know it was that early. It, I thought it was a long time ago. No. no. And my, oh my God. best friend passed away two months after my dad passed away. She got into a car accident and passed away. And then two weeks after her, um, my aunt in the Philippines died. And then a month after that, my dad's sister died. And then my dad's brother died. Like, I literally had... Yeah, so I much. I was at a funeral once every month, you know? Like, yeah. It was like... The, that pretty much the beginning of 2014 yeah. was I mean very I can't that's period. like beyond yeah I can't even imagine it was hard it was I mean like to kind of have that level of loss and I've I've been under so much pressure my entire life in terms of my, my career yeah and then all of a sudden something tragic like that happens and you're like what the fuck do I do and you don't know what to do because there's no game plan right no. like you just and then you have to adjust like like I said you make adjustments um but it was hard like so I'd grown up overweight my entire life since i was 13 i have pictures of me in high school you'll uh, really I, I, I you show me them all the time oh yeah you instagram them and i'm like yes it's amazing <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. um so i've always been overweight and i always w- had this passion to want to fight but i just didn't know how because i was never an athlete and i just didn't have the skill set or the understanding and then when uh, the reason i brought up my dad and my best friend passing away was that was actually the motivating factor of what how i yeah you're like it. i need to do this well, I started realizing one time is super fleeting. Yes. Um, when you experience that much level of death in in such a short amount of time. Well, and also like your friend, like literally just driving down the street and then gets in a car accident and dies. Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? Like someone. I mean, like yeah. she was twenty eight at the time. Yeah. And she just passed away just like that. I can't. It was hard. Um, I just got a phone call when I was on a plane back from New York to L. A. And she passed away. Got it in a car accident. And that's it. And she was yeah. twenty eight. Um, and then my dad, she, he was only 59. He wasn't even 60 yet. And he passed away. And you, when you start, um, experiencing that level of loss, you start looking at their lives and you start looking at your own. And one of the, f- um, and I work as an AD. So first assistant director, right. Deals a lot with time. So my whole job was time. Yeah. And here it is. What's even, yeah. Critical. Well, like, and it's also like, and uh, with all of that loss, you have so much time that I feel that you're like, just, in, you're just like, in like 
yeah. looking in at oh. yourself too because like in general you're always just like really sad everyone's quiet it's very like yeah and like you know yeah it's hard it's a hard look because you look at your own mortality and you realize that life is actually short it's not like a it's not like how drake goes you you know you only live once like it's actually fucking true right mm-hmm. like and when you experience that level of trauma in that compacted time frame you start looking into yourself and going fuck like i don't have a lot of time and you know like i i was i literally just turned 30 and like here's my life and it completely fucking changed in a heartbeat yeah and everything changed from my dad to my best friend to everything and i didn't know how to deal with it and all of a sudden i i woke up one day and i was like i don't want to not know what it's like to not do the things I always wished in my head I, w- I wanted to do. And one of it was fighting and one of it was boxing. And I was like, and I always thought, oh, I'm too overweight. I'm too old. I'm too everything. I always gave myself every excuse in the book. And then finally I woke up and I was like, my best friend just literally passed away. And I had all these funerals to go to. And I'm like, you can pass away in an instant. Yeah. Like, like it's not. You could like, just be outy. You could just yeah. be outy. I could be on a plane to not tomorrow and just the plane will crash. Or I could be walking the street and a car would hit me. Yeah. So. I was like, I don't ever want to know what it's not like. I don't want to have that feeling of regret that I wish I had done something that I should have done earlier. And and I'm like, and technically I'm not that old. So I said, fuck it. Like, um, so I started working really hard at first. It was like to lose weight. Yeah. I started working out. I started seeing the changes in my body. I used to be 70 pounds heavier. I bet it's like a really good way to lose weight too. No, oh, it's the best way to lose weight. Right? It's actually the hardest conditioning of any sport that you can do. Yeah, because they have to be like ripped. As sh- they have to be able to just like take impact all the time. Yeah, I'm a little chubby bunny right now because of Italy. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah, as you should be. As you should be. <laughs> but... Good job. <laughs> But I mean, boxing kind of like jump started that. So I was like, I want to get fit was my first goal. Then once I started getting losing the weight and dramatically losing the weight, I was like, I want to fight. And I was like, and I want to know what it's like to fight before it's too late. That was what the phrase was in my head. Yeah, because for a while, I mean, like in a what? How long are you going to be like, Okay, I don't want to get punched in the face anymore. Right. I think like I that's, always kind of yeah, 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 like yeah, I always like, kind of want to be like I, can I will see do this you. for I as long like as I you. can yeah, to test like, myself. Yeah. But you, I wanted to test myself physically, mentally, as a human because I wanted to take myself and my body and my spirit to the extreme level of like dedication and and commitment that I hadn't taken myself there before and i was like it's time it's when you time. wanted to, it's like a, it's a way for you to like be the warrior that you always have been reading about your whole life exactly right i i was like i'm a warrior but how do i express this now and then yeah. that's where i found boxing and when i lost the weight and i still i'm continually trying to um i've been s- successful at it and i've been proud of myself and i've like literally changed my life as a result of it um you know the next step was like okay let's do this you know do it before it is too late and like yeah. there is no excuse i've seen people fight well into their 40s and i'm only 34 right now so it's like there's really nothing to stop me and i said fuck it let's do it let's do it now and let's do it hard and like let's not half-ass this if you yeah. want this and like with anything that you want i realize all it takes is discipline and commitment and consistency and habit, right? Like the yeah. power of habit. Like, have you read, have you read, you know, this is one that you'll like the compound effect. No. Oh, it's a real good. It's really short really? too. You'll fly through it. Okay. And it's this guy and it's, and I forget what his name is, but compound effect. Yeah. Um, it's buy it, like just buy it on Amazon oh, or, I but go it. at Barnes and Noble. They, they have it everywhere, but it's really good. And it's like the, only this thick because real, it's real short and it's, you'll fly through it. But literally the whole point of it is that, the the whole principle is that like he in the beginning he asks you like would do you want a penny that will double every like day 
for 30 days or do you want to have like $5 million for like a day for 30 days or something like that? It's some, I don't know if yeah. that's exactly what it is, but something like that. Like, or you get a million dollars every day for 30 days. Yeah. And it's basically, if you do the math, like the, the, like 30 days of a million dollars obviously is 30 million dollars yeah but if you do the other one it's like the penny turns into two pennies that turns into four pennies that turns into blah blah you know, yeah to eight into but and it keeps doubling and doubling doubling and doubling doubles up to like 50 some thousand or something like that, 50 like 50 million dollars which is more than which the is 30. more than the 30 so it's like you don't think that like just the consistency of it doubling is so much more powerful than getting a large amount for 30 days yeah. and stuff like that and so basically it's like anything that you just do consistently every yeah. day like you just it like will excel you so much farther into life it's Absolutely. it's a great read and it's like really really short and it's like written by a man so it's not and he's like a businessman so it's very like it's very oh, just like nice. cut and dry and to the point i love like it's that. not as ethereal as some of the other like self-help books that i've read yeah. which like i do love but i like i, I, like, I mean self-help I books no, but i like more psychology science i love, a, science driven, I, love a, like an, a, yeah, I love an ethereal thing but this is basically just like put in the work and like put in a little bit every yeah. day like you don't have to spend hours doing it every day no. but like read that one but that's basically what you're saying. Exactly. Like, yeah. like you just like you have to put yourself in a consistent mind frame and like cons- consistency is one of those things that we take for granted. I think something it's a virtue. It's a thing that like we don't do enough of is do, to build consistent patterns that are positive for us. Right. Consistent po- positive patterns, not like alcoholism, you know, or anything yeah. like that. But like just like treating yourself well consistently will build over time and pay pay out later on you know like i think people want instant gratification instant reward and instant results but when you're consistent with something you realize the the it, your results will last longer one and it'll be and it'll be stronger you know and so that was something that i learned through boxing was just the consistency of that dedication that effort and it forces you to be consistent and that's something that I'm trying to practice in my performance. Um, you know, I treat myself like an athlete when I do my job, right? Like I want the consistency of training every day, of being good at what I do and doing it over and over again. And like, and then, but also learning from that process and being like consistently open to learning. Yeah. And that consistency is that word in and of itself is like so powerful that not enough people practice. And I think when you practice that as a physical thing, you will experience rewards and great rewards when it comes to like wanting to lose weight, look good, be good at boxing, be a great runner, anything. Just do it consistently. Make it so that way you're not thinking of it and it becomes habit and and success becomes a habit. And that's like something that I'm trying to learn for myself is that success becomes a habit if you practice successful habits consistently. So that's something that's something that I've been thinking about but boxing that's what ta- what it taught me like you know um you know like there was a saying in boxing and there's so many virtues in boxing that really brought it back to me that that's the reason why I love it so much um not just the physical aspect of it but there's a science and a mental toughness well it's to like it. a mental toughness because you're getting literally punched in the face as yeah. I keep saying like you're getting punched in the face how do you like, keep going what, when someone's yeah, like, like, and, like attacking. there's blood in your eyes and like I just think of like Raging Bull whenever he gets like punched like the blood like squirts yeah. all over the place like but you know what I mean like, but, like you're just getting literally just be tough I want yeah. to be mentally tough yeah to be able to just like take a yeah. literally take a beating yeah and like and be and fine keep going. and keep going and standing up even I, when you're like like all woozy and like like in the cartoons like you know isn't that the greatest metaphor i mean for i feel like that's the great metaphor for my life is like i i'm a consistent fighter and a warrior spirit spirit and boxing kind of gave me this outlet of like testing well, my like a physical manifestation of it yeah it's a yeah. physical manifestation but it's also a mental one that build my mental toughness like yeah one of the biggest compliments i got was like 
you know, in boxing was like, you're fucking mentally tough. You don't give up. And I'm like, I will never give up. Yeah. Like, that's something that's in, in inside me. That's like that drives me is like, I will never give up. And the more you tell me no, the more that I will pr- push myself to say yes. And that's like something that I needed to prove myself. And boxing helped me prove that. Yeah. And boxing has constant lessons. Like one of the greatest lessons in boxing that I practice is that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. So like boxing pays you out in dividends. So the way their their idea is, is if you keep up with your runs, you do your shadow boxing, you you put your rounds in, you constantly practice, you will get good. Yeah. And sometimes they'll come there. There comes somebody who has natural talent. But if natural talent doesn't put in the same amount of work, hard work will always beat out talent no matter what. Yeah. And so that's why you have a lot of those stories where like. Yeah, you can find the best boxer in fucking Kansas City, but like if they don't actually put in the hard work, they'll never become the greatest boxer of all time. Same thing with actors, right? You can be the greatest actor, but if you're not actually putting in the work and practicing and putting yourself out there and consistently with determination and grit continue to move forward, no one's going to know who the fuck you are. Yeah. So like there's so many superstars that are hidden gems, but without that extra effort of hard work and determination and consistency and and drive, they're never going to go anywhere. That's why hard work will always beat talent when talent doesn't work hard. So that's why I love boxing because yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, all the mantras that you yeah. say about life. Oh, I love a mantra. A and so do you. We, we both love a mantra. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I'm like boxing almost yeah. is like the physical manifestation of all those mantras. Yeah. And it's true. Um, any final thoughts? Um, I hope, you know, like I want to, um, I, you came at the right time. I, I, on Tuesdays I teach, um, I, I'm teaching my guys how to like be, be like better ADs, be yeah. assistant directors. Well, teaching them things that like the person above them does so that like yeah. one day they can move up. So instead of having to, instead of them just getting stuck in a role, you're helping them like do the things that the, that their, that their boss is doing yeah. so that they can then be like, oh, I've done all these things. Other person that's not Belinda. So like hire me. Yeah right yeah like that's what it's for exactly like i you know like when you start realizing it's less for your benefit and you start helping others get there too um there's a reward that's a lot greater um that you don't realize and i think paying it forward as cheesy as that that movie was terrible Uh, (laughs) but that paying it forward attitude that teaching um lesson attitude that giving back attitude I think is something that we need to practice more of. And I think that's something that I obviously love doing. And like, I'm a natural born teacher. I mean, like, you know, like in another life, I feel like I should have been Tony Robbins. <laughs> like, I, yeah. like I have this aspiration, you know what I mean? But at the same time, like I love bringing out the best in people. And I hope that like people should do the same. Like, I think people need to practice more of that. And I think we need to bring the best out of each other because that's the only way we can uh, like really physically and spiritually and mentally and like really know what success is, is by making other people successful because you surround yourself with it. There's water seeks its own level and all of a sudden naturally there you are. Yeah. I think before you know it, that's where success is. And so just like be cool and be helpful people and like really just like, it forward that's my my whole thing i'm like now i'm like this like zen hippie kung fu master yeah like the flexibility in the water and like and i just tell people all the time i'm like you know teach others be a force multiplier yeah you know what i mean be the person that inspires others because i think inspiration is lacking these days and i don't you know like there's enough negativity 
there's enough of that there's enough of like reasons why we don't we shouldn't do something there's enough reasons why um you know we should be sad why we should be yeah in a bad spot but there's not enough reasons you always say you always say and i can't believe i didn't think of this earlier like there's there's always going to be a million reasons not to shoot but there's only going to be one reason <laughs> to shoot you say that all the time I love that you remember that. I just said that on set today. Yeah, like you're and like, there's always going to be a million reasons to not start shooting, but like, there's there's one reason to start shooting, and it's like that we need to fucking start shooting. Yeah, right. It's to make a TV show. It's to do something. It's to make something. It's to create something. Yeah, and like, I th- I feel there's like going to be a million. Ex- well, I mean, to, to paraphrase it, there's going to be a million excuses, or there's going to be a million problems, or a million yeah. roadblocks, or things that you're never going to be able to. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. This isn't exactly. feasible. I don't have enough money. I'm not. Um, People will I'm not strong enough not to, doing you know what I mean? Yeah, but like there's there's a million reasons to justify not doing something. There's only one reason to like actually yeah. want to do it. But that's what separates you from the rest of, from everybody else, right? Yeah. Like if people want to really practice success in that way and and happiness in that in that real way that we all want, like like you should just put those reasons aside and just keep going forward with such grit and determination. Like what was it? Um, relent. Be relentless. In everything you do, mm-hmm. be relentlessly you. Be relentless. That relentlessness will like just pay out, and uh, and that's the thing that I love. And I'm like drive, like you know, like passion is something that's like that. It, passion is a passion of mine. Like yeah. finding passion in others, like exciting that and like inspiring that. In it's others, attractive. It's, it's attractive in so many ways, right? Like you're like God. That guy is so good at what he does. Like you know, like how like people look and you're like that guy's not that attractive. Like on face value yeah but then when you see someone passionate and good at it then you're just like and you're like oh plus like it's always great i mean like if we're gonna talk about dating like it's always great too <laughs> it's always great whenever someone's like really like i want some i want to date someone that's like really into something yeah that's like really has a passion right? for something because you don't want to date the guy or you know who's just sitting there like bumming about the world and life and wishing he had a better one and you're yeah, like no. well, what are you doing to make it better because yeah. if you're not doing anything to make it better then guess what that's the reason why your life's not better yeah. like you can't you can't expect things to just come and be like happiness is here. Yeah. And even you like with, your f- with friends and stuff, it's always great. And then people, obviously people at work, like you, you surround yourself with people that inspire you and then you just are ins- always inspired. Yeah. You know, exactly. And I was like, that's another thing on an off topic. And I'll tell you when, once this is done, but like I, I have been writing about, um, dating and like what it's like. Um, and just like, do you know the modern love series? Like, um, the yes. New York times. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yes. Like the stories Maybe. of the New York times about yeah. modern love and like just the process of it all. And, um, I've just been writing articles on what it's like to, you know, like to really process what it means to be single and what, and what it means because I, I feel like I've been helping a lot of people recently kind of come out of like their, their funk, their funk, right? Like a lot of my friends have recently got out of really long relationships or just relationships in general. And they find themselves in this weird region of like, am I valued anymore? And everything like that. And I actually have one, one ti- one title of my piece is called from side piece to dime piece. Amazing. So, <laughs> Wait, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what it's like, um, you know, to be the other woman or the, uh, to be the other person in a relationship with somebody who's already in there. So that's one article. The other article I have, um, is how to substitute cheap love for self love. 
And that's another thing that I've been trying to yeah. teach people. I'm like, everything's so fast food and disposable that um, it's like eating fast food, right? You eat it and you feel satisfied at the moment. But and then the you're like disgusted with yourself. And also your like stomach is disgusted with you. <laughs> exactly. And that's and what happens. And your buttholes are disgusted with you eventually. <laughs> but that's like cheap love, right? Yeah. Like it's like the dating or texting that guy that you're like, oh, you know, you shouldn't be texting. You know, you shouldn't be talking to. But you're doing it because you're lonely. Well, and, and like, because like, it'll give you instant gratification. Exactly. Yeah. But then after but then you, you go do into a it, shame spiral and then you're like, <laughs> I'm worthless. So I've been te- I've been teaching people um, in the article. I was like, I said, hey, why don't you substitute? Uh, anytime you have that feeling, start doing things that are good for you because I don't think enough people do that. Yeah. So do self love, like get a massage, get a pedicure, and like don't run, do the thing do that you think everyone else wants you to fucking do. Oh, for that sure. That pisses me off so bad. Like not to like get a, but like oh, all these things that they're like, let's yeah. go here so we can like be seen and so that we can like try to make look this way. I'm like, who fucking cares? Yeah, but people care about self-image so much when like the source and this is the thing because you're not in in your 30s, but I I think you're more self-aware at your age than most people are in any age that I find myself is like I find myself now realizing like there's something sexy about someone who takes pride in who they are and like but not in that self-conscious way like you just kind of like. You know, like that sexy factor. You're like, that guy doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, he doesn't give a fuck, and he's just like, what's up? <laughs> and yeah, you're and like, you're like, oh shit. That's hot. Like, <laughs> and in my 30s, I've experienced that. That's tenfold. how I feel. Like, are you watching The Bachelorette? Probably not. No. Well, there's a guy on there named Alex, and he's like, like quite possibly maybe the most beautiful person that they've ever had on the really? show. Shut he's up. like beyond gorgeous, and he is like a perfect body, and he's just like a like just like a just like a perfect specimen of a man. Yeah. And then he also is like. And looks like a huge meathead, like douchebag piece of shit, like because he's that fucking stupid, <laughs> like just stupid hot. You know what I mean? Like, and he, <laughs> God, but then he, but then he also is like extremely intelligent and like just like the oh, total package. Like, so like, like he'll fuck ne- you. Like, yeah, like, like, like you're perfect, basically. <laughs> and so he, and so he basically was just like, like it's like this other situation where he was like, no one has challenged me the way that you have. Like he tells the bachelorette basically, and he's yeah. like, he's like, you're the first person I've been like nervous around in like a fucking long time. I'm like, I fucking bet because you're like beautiful and intelligent. So like, no <laughs> one could like challenges you ever. They just are like in awe of you always, and she just like puts him in his place, and he's like, I like. Um, you're, well, there's something yeah. sexy. You don't have to be necessarily the most attractive in the room, but if you can hold your own and really like yeah. hold your ground as a person and as an individual, I think there's something to be said about that source of strength. Yeah, and strength is sexy, right? Like absolutely. But holding that sense of character and strength, like, I think I was say- saying to somebody, I'm like, as I'm growing older, I I focus less on personality and more on character. And for me, like um, when we're young, we value character, we value personality, right? He's so funny, he's charming, or like he says funny jokes or he's a party animal and he's so fun to be around. But when I'm older now, I look at my friends and I'm like, well, are they trustworthy? Are yeah. they honorable? Do they have integrity? And now I'm like, that's the stuff that I value. And now like when I look at partners or people that I want to date, like those are the, those are the key characteristics I look for now. I'm like, okay, is this guy trustworthy? Is he, will he be there and be reliable? Will you know, will you know, like in like sense of humor. And I didn't touch upon this earlier, but like, one thing is sense of humor, by the way. Like, people don't take advantage of that enough in life. And I think one of the things after facing tragedy and death and pressure on sets all the time and being, like, super type A and very militant, 
one of the things that I realize has sustained me through my career and through my personal life is a sense of humor. And I think we all need to just lighten up. Yeah. And, and like, be able to laugh. And be able to laugh. And like at the end of the day, like that's, I mean, when we work together and like things would like go down and like it would be like a really hard, stressful day. At the end of the day, like we would like start, we would just be fucking, fucking shooting the shit. Laughing. Shooting the shit, like making fun of nothing, like making jokes that weren't even that funny, but we thought they were. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's like, that's just great. Cause it's like, that was one thing that I always thought about. Like I always yeah. think about you when I think, like when I think about you, that's what I think of is like, even at the end of the day, even if like you were so frustrated with us, and like it was like a hard day and yeah. we like really like once it was over you were like yo like what's up like you know what I mean like we yeah. were just like shooting the shit and it was like guess what the day's over like it's done I'm it's not like done. pissed at you yeah. like we're not like I mean you'll, you would be like here's my notes for you like this is what you should do next time blah, blah blah and then that's over with Yeah. and it's like never talked about again and it's like not because at the end of the day it's not that big of a fucking deal it's not you know? and we hold on to so much for so long that I think letting go is an aspect that like we need to practice yeah. more and letting go with humor and with light and gra- like not everything has to be so serious all the time yeah. I think that's the thing like we all take everything so seriously and I was like laugh more alright yeah. alright bitches crack a joke take a drink have some fun be young because the fact of the matter is we're not here for fucking we're not time. curing cancer, as I always say. <laughs> we're, we're not curing cancer. We're not curing cancer. But who knows? Tomorrow we're not here either. You know what I yeah. mean? The people that you you hold dear and that you value, like enjoy them now. Don't wait to enjoy anything. Like I, I had this like analogy. I said, when did we become a culture where like we save all the nice plates for a nice time and never bring them out? Or we always have that one piece of clothing we keep for, for only nice occasions? I'm like, fuck it. Bring that shit out. Use the nice plates now. Use the fucking dress that you never thought you were going to wear and just fucking do it because you don't when like if we keep waiting to use the nice things or we keep waiting to wear the nice shit or we keep waiting to do this things. I was like, like time just goes by too fast. And then before you know it, like 10 years has gone by and that dress is still sitting in that. Yeah. And you can't fit it in anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, fuck it. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do this to the best yeah. of my ability. Um, I mean, hey, I think that's a good place to wrap up, right? I think so. Um, thank you for sharing your story. Of course. Thank you for giving me so much good advice and and sharing <laughs> all the advice that I have been give, been like that you've given me to oh, you the are world. So wise. Um, <laughs> if where can people find you? Um, on social media, if they want to find you, and if you can say like, if you don't want anyone to find you, you can say nothing. <laughs> Um, I only have one form of social media, unfortunately. Um, I'm just, I'm still learning how to ease myself into that. Um, I have Instagram and you can get me at professional misfit is my handle. So yeah. it seems pretty apropos professional misfit, but that's who I am. I like it. It's funny. It's, uh, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> it like describes you kind of. It kind of describes yeah, me. <laughs> it does. Um, if you guys want to be on the show, you can send me an email at chris at loudandcurious.com. Again, that's chris at loudandcurious.com. You can find me at the Chris Rosa, and you can find the show at Loud and Curious. Um, if you guys like the show, please leave me an iTunes review. It's the way that I can be seen by more people and um, how like the show can be that much bigger that much better that much more fun let's make it big um right <laughs> um but yeah again thank you belinda for sharing your story thank you for sitting down with me for so long no, um thank you for listening so. and yeah i mean until next time bye all right bye this episode of loud and curious was produced by me chris Rosa. my cover art photo and all the photos on my website were taken by Alyssa timoteo cover art graphics and photo editing by chris moore 
The Boys from Remember Jones wrote and performed my theme music. Like them on Facebook and Instagram at Remember Jones. Next time on Loud and Curious. <laughs> so, can we get a one-word suggestion of anything at all? Didgeridoo. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Didgeridoo, Where did this thank you. <laughs> uh, young boy, what are you doing in the forest there? I'm just searching for my didgeridoo. I can't find it anywhere. Oh, heavens. This happens a lot with boys your age. It does. I'm very forgetful. I'm going through puberty. <laughs> That's right. It affects your brain and other things. Yes, it does. That's right. It does. You know. Oh, it's the it's the spirit of the forest. Ooh. It's me, the spirit of the forest. And I'm here to say you are not the first young child to lose his didgeridoo and you will not be the last. Oh, you're so good.